0: All right, if you grab your Bibles, thank you, thank you. I got to do a little bragging because I do want to connect what she just said. Um, Megan, who just was speaking, that's my cousin, and um, man, she's gone through it over the last couple years. Um, they got two little boys. Um, I think one's about six, one's about three, four, somewhere in there. But her husband passed away about a year and a half ago, super unexpected. And I remember when I got word it was a, it was a Sunday. My mom called me after I preached, and um, and it just hit me. I'm thankful that my my son was driving. Um. Because I just couldn't, I couldn't focus on anything. I just kept sitting there thinking of her. And it was during that time of COVID where you, everyone had masks still, and you really couldn't see anybody. And my my wife's mom has multiple myeloma, so we have to be kind of careful with who we're around. And so I couldn't see her, and it drove me nuts until for a couple weeks. I finally, a couple weeks, I finally got to go see her. It was just the two of us. And I remember uh, when I saw, her, I walked in, and uh, her, the boys were sleeping. And the first thing she said, well, first thing she did, she came downstairs. She goes, have you read this book? And I'm like, really? That, like, that's the thing that's on your mind? And I'm not going to lie, it's one of the best books I've read, or at, least, at least part that I read so far. And as, then the next question was, what do you, what do you think heaven's like? And she just got tears coming down her face. And, and I said, uh, I think it's the great commandment, loving God and people done perfectly every person you meet it's as if you've been best friends with them their, your whole life no sin no temptation no insecurities anybody here insecure besides myself and even when you raise your hand you're like did i do it right <laughs> right i said it's just being in the presence of god and loving people and i remember hearing people say now when you get to heaven all you're going to do is notice All you're gonna do is notice Jesus, and I don't know that I believe that. Not because I don't want to notice Jesus, but John in Revelation, he actually noticed the crowds. He noticed the people, and then she asked this question. She said, "How could, how could there be joy? Like, how could Randy be happy if we're not with him?" And I said, "Because to God, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years, and it's a moment." I said, but he's in the presence of God. And but I said, How are you in Jesus doing? That's my go-to question when I talk to people. I don't say, hey, are you reading the Bible? Because it becomes kind of legalistic. It's like, how are you in Jesus? Because I always want to move people back into relationship with Jesus. I said, How are you in Jesus? And this blew my mind. She says, Oh, that hasn't faltered. And I remember driving home, I said, I stayed for a couple hours and and it was, just, it was just so great to hear her talking about things. And she talk, taught me things while I was there. And, but she, just you just saw brokenness. And then when the boys got up from their nap, little Jedediah, that's the young one, pulled out his favorite book and walked it to her. And so she's, she's there, and she's got some of her girlfriends there. She starts reading it. And then I saw the joy that I've always known Megan to have. And I got in the car, and I went, oh, my goodness. I knew I already knew she was a lioness for the Lord. And I said, she is going to be ferocious. And she is. But what would she attribute it to, to? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, friends, that's the, that's the third person of the triune God that we really don't talk about. Why? Because he makes us nervous. He might, he might actually ask us to do things that we don't want to do. Guys, I got to be honest, if the only time that you obey God is when it's something that you agree with, then you're probably disobeying him more than obeying. Because I'm just convinced that Jesus is intimidated by no one, and he's afraid of nothing, and he will send us into places where he wants us to go, even if we're afraid. But then he'll say, don't be afraid, because I'm with you. I remember there's this one time I was having lunch with a buddy of mine at a Rubio's, and we're just chatting about Jesus and life, and he's my best friend, and I just love, I mean, he's the guy that got me to focus just Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so I remember when I was talking to him, as we're chatting, this young lady goes by, and, and this thought popped in my head, just out of the blue. like, go tell her she's loved. And I'm like, No. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm married. I'm happily married. This is some cheesy Christian pickup line. Like, find some dude that doesn't have a lady and have him do it. But, like, in my mind, I'm having this argument. I don't know if it's God or me. So I'm just like, no. And so I'm trying to focus in, but it kept coming up over and over. Go tell her she's loved. Go tell her she's loved. And the whole time, I don't even know what he was talking about after that because I'm just having this argument. No. No. Go send somebody else. You tell her. You tell her. You can put it in her head. She'll know. And so we finish up, and I go fill up my drink, and he's in front of me as we leave, and he gets through the door, and I get to the doorway, and I just stop. And I couldn't go. It's not because the door is all of a sudden shut for him. I can't get out like I'm in prison. It wasn't that. I just knew, because it just kept going. So my buddy turns around, he goes, you have to go do something for Jesus right now, don't you? And I said, yeah, you should come with me. He goes, nope, see you later, and he walks away. I said, this isn't biblical. He sent him a two-by-two. He goes, I know. See you later. And he goes to his car. He said, we're no longer friends today. I thought that would turn him around. He just kept going. Turn around, waving, laughing. As he got in the car, he drives. He's like, (laughs) and so I turn around, and I count. I say, on the count of three, I'll do it. One, two, three. Okay, on the next count of three, I'll do it. And then I had to go refill my drink. And then I had all these other things. I'm like, God, why? Seriously? And I'm having this. Can you imagine just standing there? I'm not sitting. I'm not waiting for food. I'm not eating. I'm just holding a drink, staring at people. It's just so weird. And so I finally got the nerve, and I started to walk toward the table. And then there's two of them. And I went, oh, crud. So I get to the table, and I put the cup down of my drink next to it. And I don't know if you've noticed. I'm kind of a bigger guy. I didn't introduce myself. I didn't say excuse me I just because I was so nervous. I just put my hands on their table, and then I leaned up. So I looked like mammoth man. I didn't look at either one of them. I looked straight at the table, and I said, I don't know if this makes sense, but I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you that you're loved. You know what happened? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Like, I seriously thought I was going to hear one of them go, my goodness, I just prayed this morning that someone who was bald (laughs) and who sweated a lot would come up. I prayed that to Jesus. And if that happened and that person said that I was loved, that I would surrender my life to Jesus, nothing. They just stared at me and I could feel it. It's like their eyes are just going through my skull and then I, I, see, I quoted Dumb and Dumber. I'm like, what part? All I said was, whoops, see you later. <laughs> I walked. To I walked. That's all I did. And as I get to the car, I get in the car, I start the car. This is the next thought that popped in my head. Just checking. Are you freaking kidding me? You're just, just, just checking to see if I would do it? Like there was no, I, I pictured angels coming down in Rubio's. Oh, it's like, I just pictured the whole restaurant levitating and going to heaven. Like I pictured this massive thing, nothing changed. Isn't it amazing? In the book of Acts, we'll watch the Holy Spirit tell the believers to go do something. You know what that tells me? The Holy Spirit speaks. He'll never contradict his scriptures, but he speaks and leads. guys. I mean, Jesus is the one who talked about him. In John chapter 14, 15 to 17, this first verse, listen to it, especially for those that are followers of Christ. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Catch that, friends. If you claim to love Jesus, you'll do what he says. For you to claim to love Christ while living in purposed disobedience, means that you're a liar. It means that you don't love Jesus. You can't say, I love Jesus and do the things purposely. It doesn't mean we never struggle with sin. It doesn't mean we never mess up. But there's a difference between messing up and creating it as a lifestyle. And to purposely do the things that Jesus was beaten, battered, bruised, bloodied over. And then at the same breath, say, and I love you. Jesus says, I know those who love me by those who obey my commandments. In other words, followers of Jesus, our lives should look like we love Jesus. I'm not saying, hey, make sure you play the part of Christian. I could care less if you play the part of Christian. If you love Jesus with everything, you'll live the life that Jesus stands in approval and applause for. Love Jesus. He says, I know those who love me by those who obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Guys, you know why I love that? Because Jesus in that moment saying, you can't do it by yourself. And he never expected us to. That while he's talking to his disciples, he's like, I've been here to help you. But at some point, I'm going to leave. And he actually says, it's better that I go. And then I'm going to send this other helper to help you friends for us to live in a culture where you have to do it on your own you have to make it on your own followers of jesus here's the word we need to learn the most and use often holy spirit help me help god i can't do this you ever prayed for patience and then regretted it You ever notice when you pray for patience, God's like, I'll take you serious. And then right when you pray, that person that just annoys the credit, turns around the corner, you're like, I didn't mean now. I just kind of meant just infused it. I feel it. There it is. I'm very patient. That's what I thought it would be. But no, no, no. I've got to deal with that person. Guys, there's times where I'm like, God, I just don't feel very loving. I don't want to love. I'm really having a hard time with this person, God, and I know you've called me to love them, so Holy Spirit, will you help me love them? You should there go, no, but you're a Christian. You should already be doing it. Where did you get that concept? It's all coming from him. I can't do anything without him. And when I don't ask the Holy Spirit for help, for help guess what I'm doing? If his name is the helper, he wants to help. And so all I say, Holy Spirit, you love them. Help me love them. Or love them through me something god i don't have any patience right now for what's going on would you fill me with patience or god the peace i need peace the storms that are hitting would you give me peace that i know i'm gonna make it do we do that guys how many of you have ever heard people say guys you need to live for christ live for christ anybody ever heard that phrase i want you to live for christ here's what i want you to do don't live for christ You're like, no, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want you to live with Christ, and I want you to live by Christ. And when you live with Christ and by Christ, you will live for Christ. Do you see the difference? Now it's all about him. You live with him, you live by him, and you will therefore live for him. But never by yourself. He says, I'm going to send you another helper, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you. Now watch this, and will be in you. That blows my mind. Guys, you realize it blessed you. In Acts chapter two, or in Acts chapter one, Jesus promises disciples before he ascends into heaven, he's like, I want you to wait here in Jerusalem. And you'll receive power. Guys, that word power, in the Greek, it's where we get the word dynamite. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he connects the power of the Holy Spirit to the mission that we've been called to. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. Guys, that word witness is also translated to the English as martyr. It's the same word. Martyr, what's a martyr? It's a person who dies because they love Jesus. Isn't it amazing that in the very beginning, Jesus said, uses the word, you'll receive power and you become my witnesses, my martyr. I sit and go, God, am I living with this power? Like, is my life any different? If the Holy Spirit left me for a day, would I even notice? or am I just living? In John chapter 16, verse 12, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And friends, I want to encourage you, for those that are just starting out in the faith, like for those of you who seriously, you just came to Christ last night, you realize that Jesus isn't expecting you to run the marathon yet. For those of you that just like I just started in the word. Jesus isn't going to start explaining the deepest things of the scriptures yet. He goes at a pace to keep you going. I like when he tells the disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And he goes on, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So why do we need a helper if he's the helper? He's the spirit of truth, and he's going he's to convey truth to us. But why do we need this helper? I came across this article. In, on January 30, 31st, 2021, in the southwestern region of India, there's a pastor named Pastor Ashok. One Sunday morning in their worship gathering, there's Pastor Ashok and about 150 other believers. They're gathered together in their worship center, in their worship building. All of a sudden, this large group of Hindu nationalists barge into their worship gathering and they start shouting about their Hindu gods. Then they lock the doors from the inside of the building and then they walk up to Pastor Ashok and start beating him in front of his congregation. And then they start going after the believers and start to beat them. Pastor Ashok's daughter was watching. She's 13 at the time. So she goes running up and puts herself between them and her dad on her knees and begs them to stop. All of a sudden, one man comes up and kicks her as hard as he can in the stomach. Friends, she had internal bleeding for two weeks. She was in the hospital with internal bleeding for two weeks. And then for the next 45 minutes, they continued to be 28 different believers, women and children, See, Pastor Ashok started his ministry in 2004, and since 2004, he's been attacked three times, simply because he's telling people about Jesus. And even though he's been attacked three different times, he has seen at least 100 Hindus come to Christ. It's during the second attack in 2010 that his pregnant wife, Kala, was beaten so severely that she lost their baby and was left unconscious for three days. The article closed with this quote. As the the writer of this article closed it, he said this. He said, Pastor Ashok and his church members know they could face further attacks. Listen, but they continue to pray for their persecutors. Does that make any sense? Pull out of Jesus for just a second. Pull out. Is that what you would do? Is that what I would do naturally? Now we come back into Jesus, and Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies, and I want you to what? Pray for your persecutors. Say, like, oh, I don't know if I could ever do that. And God knows it, and that's why he gave us the helper, right? He goes on to say, many of the believers said they forgive their attackers and want them to know Jesus. But why do we need a helper? I haven't experienced that. The Apostle Paul wrote this second letter to a young pastor named Timothy. In chapter 3, verse 12, he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. You notice that verse doesn't make it on, on, like on some doily or on some painting. Hey, if you want to follow Christ, you're going to be persecuted. You don't hear a lot of people from up front going, Hey, who wants to follow Christ and be persecuted? If you don't know Christ, you could just be smacked around because you love him. Who wants it? You ever wonder why I keep asking the question, is Jesus worth it? Because it doesn't always mean that everyone's going to like us. And it doesn't mean that everyone's going to respect us. In fact, in fact friends, I, I see things becoming more hostile. And yet I still think Jesus is worth it. So, what do we do? It's simple. Not easy. Not always easy. But it's simple. We keep following Jesus. That's all we do. I'm like, oh, that's stupid. Give me four steps. I don't have four steps. The greatest commandment is what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Start there. Give me four steps. I can't give you four steps. I can give you one. Spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. Listen to Him. Do what He says. Watch him reveal, listen to him reveal. Watch him use you in great ways. Watch him use you in humble ways. Watch him use you where no one ever notices anything that you do. And all that you get is what? The applause of heaven. And sometimes you don't even get to hear it. You don't even know if you have the favor of God. But at some point, Jesus is worth it. You've got to hold on to that. But Brian, what if I'm screwed up? don't know my life you're right i don't know your life but i know jesus And jesus loves to use the imperfect jacked up people how do i know because that's all that there are see in john 21 this is after jesus has resurrected and he's been around for a little bit in 21, verse 1, it says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin Nathanael of Canaan, and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but, they, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children. I don't know. I don't know a lot of men that would like that. Children, he's on the shore. Guys, they've been fishing all night. There's really one thing that you want to accomplish when you go fishing, and it's what—to catch fish. How many? Anybody go fishing? Anyone like fishing? A few of you. Do you ever feel like when you go out and you come home with nothing, you're like, "Well, what is that for?" You kind of feel like you got defeated. It's like they beat me again, guys. I think there's a, little, there's a little something in the guys here. They've been up all night. They catch nothing. And here he comes, children, do you have any fish? It's like he's just rubbing it in. And they answered him, no, just one word. Oh, they ticked. And he said to them, just cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. Sure. It's like, it's like all of a sudden the boat goes out there, and the fish are under going, come here, come here. They always throw it, they always throw it over there. So then Grandpa's like, get over here, Grandpa, shut up. all the fish are coming this direction. And Jesus just comes out, just throw it on the other side. Just throw it on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Anybody know who that is? That's John, who wrote the book of John. And I used to think... What a jerk. What an arrogant little bragging jerk. I'm his favorite. I'm his favorite. The disciple whom Jesus loved. That's me. Until it hit me. Guys, by a show of hands, how many believe that that God loves you? Without a shadow of a doubt, you know God loves you. Way up. Like charismatic. Not Baptist. Charismatic. Okay? Put it down. How many of you believe without a shout out that God likes you? You're like, oh, well, what do you mean by like? Do you mean like or like, 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 like? What do you mean by like? <laughs> There's a lot of like there. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? We actually think that God's just putting up with us. And he's loving us. But it's not because he really likes us. And yet it's in Deuteronomy that he calls his people his what? Treasured? possession he loves and adores and likes and enjoys us how would your life look different if you actually believed that you were the disciple whom jesus loved you just knew it what if what if your whole identity was wrapped in that and not in anything else ladies can i just speak to you for just a second what would it do for you if you knew, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, that when you gave your life to Christ, you became a daughter of the King? That your identity is wrapped up in the one who created you and what he thinks about you? Why, why do I speak to you? Guys, ladies, you know how, much, how much garbage is thrown at you? You have to look a certain way, act a certain way, dress a certain way, smell a certain way, sound a certain way. It's like you'll look at all these images and just sit and go, why don't I look like that? And yet the people in that picture, the ladies in the pictures are going, why don't I look like that? Because there's this thing called Photoshop. Guys, Photoshop would give me a flowing mane like Aslan the lion. (laughs) Ladies, how would it be? Maybe for some, that when you looked in the mirror, you didn't see mistake. But what if you saw the one who was created in the very image of God, the one that God knit together in your mama's womb, who gave you purpose and value and meaning? It'd be a woman after God's heart, knowing that you're beautiful because of the one who created you, but knowing that you are a valiant warrior for the king. What would it look like if you found your identity in him and you, were, and you knew that you were a disciple whom Jesus loved? And gentlemen, what would it look for you? How would it look for you? If you actually believed that you were the beloved of God, trying to figure, okay, well, but all guys were supposed to be able to build a house and fix a car. Guys, I can't, I can't build a house and fix a car. I know how to fill it up and it cost me like 22 grand now, every time I want to fill it up. So it's like 22 grand to fill up my car, and when it's broken, I take it to a guy, and he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know. Plug it in. Plug that thing in. It'll tell you. I'm going to go get an Egg McMuffin. I'll see you later, and I walk off, and as I walk off, I go, God, thank you that I'm a man. My, my identity, guys, I'll be honest. Can I be honest? My identity used to, like I told you, my identity used to be wrapped up in how many people double-tapped a picture that I posted because I was doing ministry? Ministry became a drug for me. Ministry became more important, to Je- more important to me than Jesus. I found I was validated because I would leave work when I was busy and come home and have dinner and get back to work because if I was busy, then it was necessary. You know it's great when you know that you're just loved by Jesus and you're His? There's times now I'll finish work and go, I've got more time, but I'm done. I'm going to go take a nap. I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to go live. I don't want to go build a house. I don't have to fix a car. I'm going to love my wife and love my boys, and I want to be a man after God's heart. I want to be a man of honor and valor, and I want to live this life of integrity because I believe that those are godly values that we men are supposed to be living with, but it's all based on what Jesus says about us. And what he thinks about us friends may we stop looking for validation from people whose values have nothing to do with jesus and start listening to what jesus says about us so how would it look how would you feel if all of a sudden you knew that you were the beloved of god so that verse seven again sorry that was a tangent then, then the disciple whom jesus loved therefore said to peter it's it's the lord when simon peter heard that it was the lord He put on his outer garments for he was stripped for work. That is the most awkward fishing trip ever. They're stripped for work. I I don't think it means that they're butt naked, but they're just kind of in their chonies or whatever that means. I don't know, but they're stripped for work. But he puts on his outer garment, throws himself into the sea and starts to swim. Guys, I've I've watched the Olympics and I've watched the swimmers and I've watched them come out with their big parka coats and their big Princess Leia earphones. I've watched the whole thing. I've never seen any of them jump in with all of it on. They always get all stripped for work, and they take the coats out. But here comes Peter going, it's the Lord. Get dressed. Bing! And he just jumps in and starts swimming. Why not stay in the boat? What? The other disciples came in the boat. you imagine? <laughs> you got to get to him. The disciples are like, hey, we'll see you there. Okay. <laughs> they just row past him. Guys, why would he jump in the boat? Or why would he jump out of the boat and swim? He could have gotten there quicker. Verse 9. When they got out in the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on, on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, the wait a stop. Him. Verse 9. Bread. Jesus made them bread. How good do you think that bread was? You ever had homemade bread with just butter? And you just sat there, and as you took the next bite, you're like, this? is manna from the Lord. This is heaven. Guys, I'm convinced in heaven, bread will, will give us abs. Right? I'm, I'm so excited. We're just going to show up and just have bread and then veggies is like, I don't need that because you're not going to die. Who cares? I'm going to have so much bread, I'm going to have abs on my neck. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I need to stay focused. That's a squirrel moment. Verse 11, so Simon Peter went aboard. Jesus said, bring some of the fish. So Simon went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. 153 of them. (laughs) I remember reading that a while back, and I'm like, how hungry do you think these guys are? So, so far, he's jumped out of the boat, fully clothed, to go swimming 100 yards to get to Jesus. Then all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, can you grab some fish? I got it. And he pulls 153 toward Jesus. Why? This is my guess. Because remember not too long before this, Peter said, I don't know the man. Three times? And what if in that moment, he's sitting there going, I need him to know I love him. And so I'm going to go above and beyond. And do you ever find yourself doing that just like he does? I've got to go. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. So that he knows that I'm, I love him, and, and, I, and I know. then I know that he'll love me. Friends, there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. Friends, he loved you so much he sent his son, he gave his son, and he died, Jesus died for the imperfect, rebellious, sin-filled versions of us, not the perfected. So he drags all the fish on, verse 12, Jesus said, him come and have breakfast, Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? And they knew it was the Lord, and Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus had revealed himself to the disciples. Down to verse 15. When they had finished break, breakfast, Jesus said to, him, to, Simon, to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And when he used the word love there, it's the word agape. Guys, the word agape, love, agape love has nothing to do with emotion. I know we have this Disney mentality of what love is. You know what love is? If I was to ask you, what is love? And baby, baby don't hurt me. And you start dancing like that. That's not what I'm asking If I say, it's like, what is love? It's like, oh, you know, you know what it is. We just fall into it. And then when it doesn't work out, it's because we fell out of it. So it's just this feeling you have. It's this feeling towards someone else. You know what it is when it comes. Here's what I think agape love is. It's making the choice void of emotion to make sure that someone else is taken care of well, to place them first. And to care for them, no matter what. Just like Jesus did for us. And so when he says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Simon responds to me. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He didn't say agape. Phileo is like brotherly love. Are we close? Are we tight? And Peter says that. He said, no one feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love, do you agape me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? See, the third time Jesus uses his word. And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And maybe for some of you, you feel guilty. It's like, I don't know if I agape him. Maybe Jesus will say, well, do you, are we at least tight? Are we bros? Are we sis- uh, brothers and sisters? Are we? Let's start with where you are, and let's move you to where you'll be. But realize this. When Jesus calls us into relationship with himself, there's no test drive. It's not, well, we'll see how it works out. He actually says you need to count the cost. And when you've counted the cost, it's either you're all in or you're not. But he'll meet you where you are. But he refuses to leave you there because he loves you enough to move you along to where he wants you to be. Why did he ask him three times? Well, because each time I think it reminded Peter what it is that he'd done. Verse, uh, verse 18, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will be stretched out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by, now catch it, by what kind of death he was to glorify God. Because this is one of those weird verses, right? It's like, if we're going to glorify God, it always turns out great. It always turns out perfect. Like, everything's going to be great when God's going to receive glory because it always turns out as a happy ending. And here comes Jesus, like, this was told to him. Why? Because he was being told the kind of death by which he would bring glory to God. Remember that 12-year-old funeral I had to do? And you see some students come to Jesus because of it, and God received glory. And I can guarantee you that your youth pastors can say they've had to go through some difficult things and walk through difficult things with families. And in the moment, you don't know what God's doing. You're kind of frustrated and ticked. And then all of a sudden, this time goes on, you go, oh, well, that was better than I ever thought. Because this family that I've known, they've got, they got two boys. First one was born healthy, second one, uh, had a huge major heart um, heart problem, and they didn't know it until he was born. And so they had to rush him to the hospital, and they did this procedure, and, had, and then they had to airlift him to another hospital. And and thankfully, there's this amazing um, pediatric heart surgeon, number one in the nation at that hospital. But at three days old, I remember going to visit this little, this little boy in the family, and I walk in, and I can see his heart. Like his chest has been open and I can see it beating because they've just got it taped out. They have it taped over in case they have to go back in for something. And I've known this family for 20-something years. And he comes through well and they bring him home and all of a sudden they notice his head starting to get bigger and bigger and so they take him and fluid's not leaving his brain. It's not leaving and so they have to do surgery to release that brain surgery. So, Guys, by the time he's a couple months old, he's already had an open heart surgery and two or three brain surgeries, and I'm just sitting there going, God, I don't get this. And if you meet him now, he's just this unstoppable, unstoppable little lion. I mean, Brian, I've walked over to his house once, and I'm sitting on the couch. He's like, Brian, Brian, watch this. And he just jumps backwards off the couch. And I'm like, no, 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 you're going to break yourself. I was like, I was freaking out. And he's just so going crazy. And, and so they then get pregnant and everything's going great and they're about a month away and I'm speaking at a camp up in Canada and, but it hadn't started yet. It was the day before the kids got there and, and all of a sudden I just get the, I get the text from the dad and it said we lost him. I remember I just looked at my phone and I looked at God. I just looked up and I'm like, are you kidding me? Don't you think they've gone through enough? God, how are they going to get closer to you? How are they going to stay with you when this is all they're getting? You ever prayed like that to God? No, I never would. But you would think it, so you're just a... You might be polite when you pray, or praying, but you're a liar. I like the Psalms that say, How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? I like when I see ASAP just kind of get so frustrated. And we just looking at God going, God, I don't get this. And I called Jonathan. And I'm like, Jonathan, I'm so sorry. And I can't get there. I can't leave. He goes, oh, no, no, I totally understand. Just pray for us. And he said, and the funeral's going to be on Thursday. He's like, I'm still going to be here. He goes, we're going to live stream it. And so I remember, like, I don't even know if I was supposed to be somewhere. I just grabbed my phone, and kids are passing by. I'm like, whatever. And I'm just watching. And it's like, God, I want to be there. But do you know what I saw happen? They joined a small group. I was asked to lead it. Their whole family jumped in. And we walked through the pain of it. And they're part of our church. And they love Jesus. And I didn't know what was going to happen. And God received glory. Somehow God knows what he's doing, friends. And so when you see verses like this, it's like I don't see how this could be. Just remember that God knows what he's doing. And then after saying this, what we'll ended? After saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Wait, this is what I'm gonna get? Follow me. Follow me. Guys, you realize that early in the gospel accounts, Jesus said something like this: Anyone who wants to be found worthy to be my disciple must deny themselves, pick up their cross. And follow me. What's that mean? Deny self. Just means keep all the bad stuff away. Don't do bad stuff. No, 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 no. That's just self denial. Denying self means this. So it's like I can look at my wife and my kids and I say, these are mine. And all these things that are good are mine ministry and family. And this is my stuff. And just keep all the bad stuff away. No, no, that's not. That's just self denial. Denying self means I don't do this with anything. I do this with everything. My wife is yours, God. My kids are yours, God. Everything is yours. Pick up my cross. Guys, we have crosses as pendants. Nobody in the first century had a pendant of a cross. That's like having a pendant on an electric chair. Nobody has that unless there's something that they need to go talk to people about. He says, pick up your death, and you come follow me. And Here's the thing. Jesus did it all. He denied himself. He literally picked up a cross he followed where the father said to go he's not asking us to do anything that he himself didn't do and he's not asking us to do it by ourselves he gives us His holy spirit to accomplish what he wants us to accomplish and what is it that he wants us to accomplish one of my favorite preachers not because i have heard him i wish i could have i just read his stuff charles spurgeon prince of preachers back in the 1800s give or take he makes this statement every christian is a missionary an imposter as I've said before, friends, it's not missionaries. I say, like, oh, the missionaries are those who have to have a passport. And they fly somewhere and they tell people about Jesus. No, if you're a follower of Christ, you are a missionary. Every single one of us are missionaries. Well, where am I a missionary at? Your zip code, your address, your school, your neighborhood. Where you live is where God has placed you as a missionary. When he said, go make disciples, he meant it to everyone. He didn't say, go make disciples of all nations, except Americans, just wait for heaven. Or American Christians, go somewhere else, but don't tell people about Jesus in your neighborhood. He said, go make disciples. And he said, they go, man, that is so big. I know. Isn't it great to be invited to something that is bigger than we are? Because we actually have to do it with Jesus? Go make disciples of all nations and baptize those disciples in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And you're like, okay, here I go, but can I do it? And Jesus is like, no. So let me finish this with this. Oh, and by the way, I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Why is that so impressive? Because the Jesus who breathed out the sun, the Jesus who placed all the hundreds of billions of stars in our Milky Way galaxy, the Jesus who measures the universe with the span of his hand, the same Jesus who said, let there be light, and it exploded out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second, that same Jesus who has no limitations, all power, all knowing, that Jesus says, I will be with you until the very end of the age, church, we are unstoppable unless we stop. Brian, do you realize we're high schoolers? Yes. And Jesus loves to use the teenager. David jacks up, David jacks up the giant. About age fifteen, and wouldn't it be an, wouldn't it be a fifteen-year-old? Every high schooler is like, I can take him. This nine-foot giant, I mean, nine feet, massive man, just screaming out, like, I got him. What are you gonna give me a sling? Give me my sling. Bam. Because it's like. And when God decided to invade the world as a a baby, as a person, he picked the womb of a teenage girl. Friends, if anyone ever looks at you and says that you're too young to do great things for Jesus, it's because they're too old. At some point, they forgot. God uses anyone and anything to accomplish his mission, but friends, he's invited us. But We're not even that impressive. Can I do one last story? One more. When my boys were little, I'm out washing the cars. I hear the door open from the kitchen going into the garage, and I hear my wife say, go help your dad wash the cars. And I was sitting there going, dang it. Because I was almost done, and I knew that their help was not help. And so they come running out, and Tyler's about four and a half or so, and Dylan's like two-ish, two and a half. So Tyler comes running for the hose. I'm not using the hose. All, just, I'm just drying. And he comes running the hose. I'm like, Ty, I'm already done. I know. No joke. He goes walking out to the street, or the curb, and he just starts watering the street. That's why we have a drought. My son. I'm like, Taddy, what are you doing? I'm helping Dad. Okay. Whatever. And here comes Dylan. He comes over. There's the soap bucket. He sees it, and he goes over to the grass, and he pulls out a blade of grass, and he walks over to the soap, and he dips it in, and he walks over to the car I'm drying, and he starts to paint the, bu- the bumper. <laughs> and they go, Dylan, what are you doing? And then they don't have Dad. I think you he said help dad. Okay. Really? I'm going to help dad. Okay. And so he finishes. I'm like, that's a great thing. And I'm not done. I'm not done. He's the attitude. So he goes back, and he dips it in again and comes back and starts painting the bumper. So I got a kid painting my bumper with a blade of grass and soap, and I got the other one. Shh. I have no clue how much time's gone by. Tyler's he's bored, which I'm thinking you should have been bored a long time ago. Puts the hose down. Dad, I'm done. Thanks for your help, buddy. Under my breath, you did nothing. I look at Dylan and I said, You done? He said, all, all done. All done. Okay. I said, why don't you guys go on inside and tell mom how much you helped me? Because I wanted to pay her back for what she did to me. So t- Tyler goes running in, and Dylan goes in like the drunk monkey, because that's what i will <laughs> I finished cleaning up and putting stuff away, and as I put stuff away, this thought pops in my head. That's what it's like when you help me. And I'm like, no. I'm necessary. Nope. Friends, he's invited us to the mission. We don't take any of the credit. We don't take any of the blame. We just faithfully follow Jesus. He gets all glory. He gets everything. But friends, it's time. The church has been in a slumber. We've been put to sleep by the enemy. And he's just rocking us to sleep. And we think it's okay because we're moral and we're nice. All the while, there's a broken world who desperately needs Jesus. And we have him. We need to go make disciples. What an honor what a joy and a privilege that god has called us to the impossible friends you can do this we can do this we can change things because of jesus church it's time young people would you be the example to us of what it looks like to get back to what it's supposed to look like here's what i'm going to ask you to do i'm not going to ask you to stand because i don't want to be this emotion driven thing but i'm going to close this in prayer but if, if that's you saying, God, I'm in. I'm in. I'm not asking you to go out and serve Jesus first. I'm saying fall in love with Jesus and his word. If you're going to go share the faith, you need to know what the faith is. You need to know. You can't just say, oh, I think it's like this. Nope. you got to know what the book says. And then as you spend time with him you, and you love him, go out and share. And when a person asks you a question and you don't know it, you say, I don't know. Don't fake it. You know, I don't know. I'll go find out. Let's talk about it next week. Friends, you can do this. We can do this. So as I begin to pray, if you're saying, I'm all in. I'll do that. I'm in. I want to to be used by God. I don't want to be the person sitting on the side. I don't want to be an ESPN analyst that's looking at all the athletes going, oh, they're so bad at what they do while they eat donuts. I'm not, you don't want to be that guy anymore. You want to be it. men, women after the heart of God. Called to the mission that God has called all ages. Whoever's in, the, whoever's in the room, this is for all of us. So as I begin to pray and you say, Jesus, I'm in. Like, I want to go make disciples. When I pray, you're going to put your hands in your lap, palms up. That's all you're going to do. So it's more about you and Jesus. And for those of you that don't know Christ, I want to invite you, surrender to Jesus. Brian, what if I don't? Ultimately, what happens? Ultimately, if you die without being surrendered to Christ, you will spend eternity away from God in hell. I don't like that. I didn't make it up. That doesn't seem fair. Fair ended in the garden. But aren't you just grateful that Jesus made a way? He didn't have to, but he did. What do you do? Confess him as Lord. You believe that he died on the cross, came back from the dead. You just give him your life. And you receive a gift of salvation when you say, I want to follow you. Guys, you can do that right where you're seated. Just tell him, you're Lord of my life. I give you my life. I give you everything. Save me. So, as I begin to pray, whatever you need to do with God, you do. Just make sure somebody knows. So, youth, tell your youth pastors, your youth leaders. Youth leaders and youth pastors, tell your kids. If you came to Christ, tell somebody. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Father, for those who surrender to you through Jesus that Jesus, they've surrendered to you as Lord of their life. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have entered into them according to your word in Ephesians 1, that you are the guarantee of their salvation. God, for those who have their hands in their laps, their palms up, who are saying, Jesus, I want to make disciples. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you give us the power necessary. You give us everything necessary to live the life of godliness and then to be used in something that is so much bigger than we are. And so, God, we commit ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. God, use us in great ways. Father, I pray that you take these students back to their schools. And God, for those who go to public schools, I pray that they would have such an impact on their public school, that every everyone there would come to Christ, that it would become a Christian school that the state pays for. God, I pray that it would be just impressive. And God, I pray it would be unexplained. I pray that they'd go back home, that parents and siblings would come to Christ. God, I pray that this revival would break out that so is needed. God, please do a greater work. And we give ourselves to you. And may you receive all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor, for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all of Christ's followers say, amen. Amen. Love you more than you know.